BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, everybody. Welcome into the Bulls Talk podcast brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. I'm Kevin Anderson, joined by our Bulls insider for NBCSportsChicago.com. The great Casey Johnson, the man who has been covering the Bulls for the better part of three decades and doesn't miss anything ever. Um, KC, let's uh, start with the good vibes with this team right now. Uh, eight of 11, uh, they are trending upwards. They're now a half game out of the uh, 10th spot in the East, certainly, which is notable with the uh, play-in spot. Um, everything's going well. Like, uh, Describe the feeling around the team right now that you're seeing on the court and in the locker room. Yeah, I mean, this team was uh, had no issues with chemistry, um, even during the four, five and 14 start. I mean, they all get along. They all support each other. They all, you know, care about each other. Um, so there was no issues on a personal level. There was just, you know, frustration and despondence from losing. So uh, obviously winning intensifies chemistry and the vibes are immaculate, as they like to say. I mean, uh, we're, we're getting water showered after every uh, post-game walk-off interview now, man. I got I got some... Uh, I got some stray uh, water from Dale and Terry yesterday talking to Andre Drummond. It was fantastic. No, it really wasn't actually, but uh, so no, it's good. I mean, and uh, yeah, I mean, the, the big thing is the way they're playing. Obviously that's been well-documented, just sharing the ball offensively um, tied together defensively. Um, there's a lot to like about what the bulls are doing. The one stat you forgot to throw out there at the start was uh, they're, tw- uh, they're one game ahead of last year's pace now. So uh, yeah. Yeah, for all the, <laughs> For all the craziness from the 5-14 and 14 start, they vaulted past the 22-23 uh, Bulls to be one game ahead after uh, 30 games. Incredible, isn't it? Yeah. Just the 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 speed in which the turnaround has taken place is just it's just absolutely remarkable. Um, it's funny that you probably didn't see it, but Dale and Terry like, made a show of it before he dumped the water. He was doing like a route behind Drummond. And, like, they're the... They genuinely like each other, don't they? Yeah, they really do. Um, you know, uh, a lot of it starts. Some of those young guys have a pretty unique bond. I mean, I don't reveal a lot of uh, behind the curtain stuff, but this is pretty innocuous. So I'll share this. We were waiting to talk to Drummond last night in the postgame locker room, and Dalen and, and Patrick Williams dressed pretty far apart from each other in the locker room, and they were joking about how. In garbage time, they were mad because they were trying to get Julian Phillips a shot, and he wouldn't shoot it. So they were, Patrick Williams and Dale and Terry were talking about how they were trying to set up Terry Taylor and, and Julian Phillips for for late hoops. So, you know, I mean, this is what happens when you're winning. There's a lot of uh, good natured stuff and um, just good teammate stuff. And um, you know, we'll see if they can keep it rolling against the Cavaliers. I mean, they've certainly got an opportunity here with a six game homestand because. Um, I thought the way they started the six-game six homestand really set a tone because that, to me, was a just take care of business, do not blink uh, victory over a, a pretty good Lakers team that's obviously going through some issues right now, but um, obviously has a ton of talent. And they just it was just a matter of fact, like workmanlike, let's just take care of business victory. 
And then the way that they're winning in different fashions. I mean, obviously mm -hmm. against the Lakers, they shoot the lights out um, from three-point range. And then against the Spurs, they can't buy a basket from three-point range. And yet they keep working the game. They shoot a great percentage from two. They defend. Obviously, it's not a great Spurs team. But, you know, to, to be able to win a kind of grind-it-out game, too, uh, that, that's a sign of a team that's, that's coming together is winning games in, in different fashions. Yeah, and honestly, that's one of the things that really impressed me about the win over the Spurs is that the, the one of the biggest, um, I don't know if critiques is the right word to use, but you know their recent play, they've had some really hot shooting. They've had some incredible shooting games, you know, specifically from a team, but also Kobe White individually. And I, I think the criticism I saw was, how are they going to perform when they don't shoot the ball well? in these games. And we saw that against the Spurs, you know, they, they were awful in the first half and, you know, they ended up finishing uh, seven for 28 from three, which is obviously not very good. Um, you know, and we know that the Spurs aren't a good team, right? They, they've, they've struggled. They've lost a lot of games this year, but it was still very encouraging to me for them to see a, a game in which you won, you played well, you impacted the game despite not having a good shooting night. And they're, they're, right. they're doing all these little things. Exactly. Exactly. That's why, you know, Billy always talks about playing to an identity and what is that identity going to be? Because, um, you know, you, you, shooting 50% for three-point range isn't sustainable, right? So if you're not having that, how do you win and, and how do you play to an identity? And you, the way you play to an identity is you play with uh, pace offensively. And that's, again, not not necessarily fast break points. That's just getting into sets quicker, playing, trying to play against a set defense with less frequency moving the ball, player movement, and then defensively, five guys connected. So that's the identity he's looking for, and uh, we've seen it in this 8-3 and three stretch. So the uh, player of the game last night was actually Andre Drummond. Um, you spoke to him after the game and in the interview that aired at the United Center and on NBC Sports Chicago, again, in the locker room. Uh, how important has he been to this team? He certainly overlooked, I think, in terms of – what most fans focus on, but he does a lot of things really, really well. Yeah, I think it's some, some people, a couple of people were taken aback that we requested to talk to Andre Drummond post game because mm -hmm. obviously Kobe had a hot fourth quarter and put up more counting stats. But I thought Andre Drummond was clearly the star of the game. He completely changed the complexion of the game in that second quarter. And it wasn't even just with his stats, it was the way his physicality really impacted Victor Wimbenyama, who is just going to be obviously a fantastic player in this league for, for years to come. Um, you know, and, and Billy Donovan saw the same thing. I mean, Andre Drummond played an extended run there. In fact, by the end of it, he was gassed. You could see his last couple of trips up and down the court. He was kind of uh, breathing pretty hard there because that was a that was about a nine minute stretch, and he usually is out there for four to six in that first rotational turn. So Billy Donovan saw the same thing um, that we saw, and um, yeah, I mean. The fact that he's been able to to move from a two-time All-Star center, four-time NBA rebounding champ, and, you know, I, I think using the word accept a backup role is probably too strong because he has not accepted a backup role. He believes he's an NBA starter, and he brings that mentality to his backup minutes, and that's a good thing. You want a guy pushing the starter in front of him. You want a guy who believes he's, you know, I bet you if you – Put Andre Drummond on a lie detector test, he would say, I'm better than Nikola Vucevic. And that's okay. You know, there's there's a little bit of you know professional discomfort there, and that's a good thing. They have so much respect for each other, they have a great relationship off the court. 
Um, you want a guy who's pushing the starter in front of him. And look, Andre Drummond's going to have moments where he does something that makes you scratch your head. He gets into foul trouble. He has some crazy turnovers. That is part of his whole gig. But I, what I see is a guy going out there and more often than not positively impacting the game with his physicality, his rebounding ability, his hands. He's very adept at screen roll and, and poking the ball out in, in um, hedging situations. And he runs the floor hard for a big man. So I thought he was fantastic last night. And I think his role has been pretty, pretty crucial for the Bulls through 30 games. You don't want a backup quarterback who thinks they're backup quarterback. So right. I, I, pre- I appreciate his mentality with that. Um, I mean, this is a, a league full of extremely competitive players. And, you know, certainly the guys on the back end of the bench are trying to work themselves in the rotation. And the guys in the rotation are trying to work themselves as starters. Um, moving on, uh, there was a kind of cool moment uh, this after yesterday afternoon uh, before the game, uh, Connor Bedard of the Blackhawks, of course, the first overall pick, um, exchanged jerseys with uh, Victor Wembiana, of course, the first overall pick in the NBA. Um, and they each tried, Wembiana tried a little bit of hockey, and uh, I think Bedard, you know, played the basketball a little bit. Um, the NHL set that up, and there's more to come about the that specific kind of kind of interview the two of them did together. Uh, but I want to ask you about your impressions about that first overall pick uh, when beyond and kind of what you saw from him in person. He certainly has an incredible amount of just athletic ability for his size. And I think it was Kobe who said after the game that he impacts every single shot that is taken um, offensively by the, by the team opposing the Spurs. What did you see from, from Victor and just the impressions of just how good he could be one day? Yeah, so to that point, I mean, so I wasn't in San Antonio for the first uh, Bulls meeting because that game was scheduled late um, after the in-season tournament schedule shakedown. I will be in San Antonio right after the new year, uh, early January, so I'll get to see him again in person. But that was my first time seeing him in person. And what I would say is he did not have a good game last night. I mean, in terms of just counting stats, it was his season-low seven points. But, I mean, he still had – I don't have it in front of me. I think he had five rebounds, five assists, three blocks, two yeah. steals. So that That's – that's that's what stands out. So, and I have a specific moment that that really stands out to me. It was very early in the game, might have been the third or fourth possession. <clears throat> the ball got swung to Vooch up top. It's a shot Vooch takes probably eight or nine times out of ten from three. Victor Wimbanyama is about eight feet away from him. You can see Vooch look at the basket, calculate where Victor was, and go. You know what? I should probably swing this to the other side. And that right there just screamed to me, okay, this dude's different because if a 6'11 guy like Vooch is passing up a pretty good look at a three-pointer because he's worried that a guy eight feet away from him with that wingspan and that length could maybe really get a just a fingernail or graze his uh, three-point attempt and block it, this is something we have not seen before. And that's what stands out to me. And then obviously you've got the more uh that's a more subtle play you've got the more high profile plays like where he grabs a defensive rebound dribbles the entire length of the court and throws an over the head no look pass to jeremy sohan for a dunk i mean yeah it, you know as kobe said this guy is obviously really freaking good at basketball i mean so he's got to get stronger he's got to get experience um you know he's uh but just the skill set you know He's, he's going to be pretty special. I, I don't, you know, I, I think some of the 
titles or summary summaries of them have been a little bit hyperbolic. I think, you know, the greatest, you know, phenom ever, or, you know, the greatest prospect. I, I don't know about all that. I mean, LeBron James's advantage coming in was that he was physically ready. Victor Wembanyama is not physically ready. And he did look tired at times actually last night to me, but um, that package in that body with that skill set, he's going to be, he's going to be a force for, for a lot of years here in the NBA. Yeah, and he's not running away with the Rookie of the Year uh, award. No, right I now. think Ben Holmgren is actually probably going to win Rookie of the Year. Yeah. Know? So yeah. Chet is arguably having a bigger impact on the Thunder and how he's playing. Um, you know, he had the uh, pass to himself off the backboard uh, the other night. Um, yeah, he's playing fantastic too. Um, yeah, it's it's good to see. It's good to see. I think from a a league standpoint, you want that next generation of stars to be really good and kind of carry the torch if you will um for the fans so that it's 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 good to see you know certainly he did not have a, a great game stat wise as you mentioned even even his rebounds uh which had been up significantly of late he entered the game averaging 11 rebounds a game which is more than most i think most people thought um where they'd be rebounding uh for him but yeah he he is he's fun to watch um so i'm glad that the UC fans got to see him in person uh, last night because I know I think entering the game he was potentially not going to play. Is that right? He was questionable. He was actually probable. He had missed the game before with uh, ankle soreness in, in Milwaukee, but he was listed as probable. So it was yeah. But there was a huge crowd there last night. You have to assume a lot of people. I mean, it's partly the holidays, but also you have to assume a lot of people were there to see him. So that was good that he played. How's the energy been from the fans at the UC these last couple weeks? So. I'm gonna make that. I'm gonna offer that answer that in a in a uh, odd way because uh, uh, I don't. You know, I'm new to this walk off role where it's broadcast through the arena, and I actually never love when players acknowledge the fans because I just like it to be about basketball. But you know, I asked Andre Drummond a basketball question last night in our walk off interview, and he acknowledged the fans. So I mean, that just kind of tells you right there what the energy's been like. I mean. He got a standing ovation when he got, came off from his second quarter rotational turn. The Bulls got a standing ovation as a team the night before against L.A., you know, when garbage time happened and they started clearing the benches. So, um, you know, I've always said, like, this this city and this this fan base recognizes basketball, um, good basketball. And that's, that's the problem with that 5-14 and 14 stretch. It wasn't just the losing. It was just we were watching a poor product. It was not an entertaining or – um, exciting pro- product. I mean, obviously there are some great comebacks in there. The Toronto overtime home game was a, was a great win, but it was just it wasn't it wasn't good basketball. And that's the difference is you're seeing committed, team oriented basketball now, and fans are recognizing that. I love that they gave Drummond a standing ovation coming off the court because th- that that to me says these are fans truly invested in the game they're not going to the uc to be seen they're going there to watch basketball cheer for the bulls and so uh recognizing him in that moment just screams to me these are there's are extremely knowledgeable fans uh that we have at the, at the united center for bulls games hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Go to your happy price, Priceline. Dear roads, trails, and rivers, you ready for some SUV action? Toyota SUVs can roll their sleeves up for twisty trails or dress up for a night out on the town. Up your family adventure game with the Highlander. Make a splash with the rugged RAV4 or haul a weekend's worth of fun with the spacious new Sequoia. They all come with standard features and some sweet, sweet tech. Check out this versatile lineup at Toyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Um, moving on, uh, I wanted to highlight a stat I, I shared in our group chat uh, ahead of the game yesterday. Because this jumps out to me. is It's really quite incredible, the turnaround that the uh, starting five has had. <clears throat> so the starting five right now, Vooch, DeRozan, uh, P. Will, Kobe, and Io. They've played 123 minutes now together, and this is including the uh, Spurs game. Uh, their offensive rating in that stretch is uh, 120.3, which is uh, ninth in the NBA among all uh, five-man lineups who've played 100 minutes or more together. Uh, defensive rating is 103.1, uh, which is sixth in the NBA, and net rating is 17.2 plus 17.2, also sixth in the NBA. This is among 38 lineups in the league who have played 100 minutes or more uh, together. Um that is the complete opposite of what we saw from that starting five to start the year. Uh, it's it's incredible. I mean, a an offensive rating of one twenty point three is 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 pretty good. It's not great. Obviously, it's not in the top five. One hundred three point one is defensive rating is is fantastic, uh, and a plus seventeen point two net rating is is fantastic as well. Uh, what have you seen from this starting five specifically, and that that group? Just how is it working so well? Well, Caruso's been in there too now. I mean, Caruso and I have been kind of in and out. So Caruso started last two games, I want to say. So, um, but regardless if it's Caruso or Isle, they play similar roles. They're they're in there for defensive-minded purposes, and then they hit open threes. And both guys are doing that. Um, I think the biggest thing beyond Kobe's, um, you know, star turn is just the consistency of Patrick Williams. I, I think you're seeing that guy really start to figure it out. Um, and he's quietly actually had a pretty strong defensive season throughout. I mean, we were so focused on how poorly he was shooting the ball to start the season. Not only is he back up to right around his career mark in, in threes, he was at 41.1% before last night. I know he had a couple last night, so I don't, I haven't looked at it this morning, but you know, he's back up over 40 from three, but defensively, you know, he's just quietly doing the right thing more often than not. And he's um, – so, to me, Patrick Williams becoming a two-way player and a consistent two-way player is a big part of that. And then, obviously, just the ball movement. I mean, you're you're seeing DeMar kind of take a backseat more often than not in the first quarter. It hasn't been every game, but more often than not, he's taken a backseat in that first quarter and moved the ball, gotten other guys some rhythm and some confidence and some scoring. So, it's a combination of factors, um, but I would say that's a that's a big part of it. Um, I got a stat for you. You're usually Mr. Stat, but uh, yeah. I was looking, you know, because they've just been so good um, in this eight and three stretch uh, in closing time. I actually looked up their fourth quarter stats for this eight and three stretch. Their offensive rating in the fourth quarter in this eight and three stretch is over 132. Wow. That's <laughs> Indiana is, Pacers territory right there. That's what I'm saying, man. Wow. That's now it's one quarter, but it just goes to show that, you know, they've just. They're just obviously Kobe's had some incredibly hot fourth quarters. You have that 18 point fourth quarter. 
um, the other night. Um, but just so, you know, whether it's the, the opening lineup with your stat or the closing lineup, which is usually the same lineup, although Caruso is more out there instead of Io, um, they're getting it done really kind of at, at both ends of the game. Uh, getting back to P. Will, um, what has changed in this game? And I don't necessarily mean the production uh, from the first 15 games of the year in which he just looked out of sync, had some issues, um, just getting involved to how he's played recently. Is it a confidence thing? Is it an aggressive thing? Like just what is the biggest reason that you see this this turnaround from Williams? I don't I don't have a great answer for that because he's a hard guy to figure out because he always says, I mean, even at the lowest moments, he's very introspective and you can go to him and he can say all the right things. You know, I know who I am in this league. I, I did a story at his lowest moment where that was the lead quote. Like, I know who I am in this league. I know what I can do. Um, you know, so he's always been at least saying the right things confidence wise, but then you watch how he plays and he plays early in the season, it looked like he was playing passive or, or timid. And, you know, I, I can just tell you like the amount of times you see Tory Craig and, and DeMar DeRozan pull him aside and talk to him. You know, I, there was that timeout after he had that monster dunk late yesterday and DeMar was just pulled him aside, was laughing with him. So, you know, DeMar had said something to him. Like, I don't, I'm just guessing they're like, you know, give me a, give me a dunk before this game's over or something, you know, but they were having a moment there. So, you know, his, all his teammates understand with he, with his body and his physicality and his athleticism what he can be in this league. And I think you've just seen a young player start to figure it out more. But he's always said the right things, but it does obviously look like a player who's playing at a different confidence level when you watch him on the court. Uh, DeRozan, uh, Pop, and, and Billy shared a nice moment at the end of the game where you know DeRozan uh, came over and Billy and Pop were shaking hands, talking to each other right after the buzzer. Um, it, it's 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 kind of cool to see how respected DeRozan is around the league. Obviously, he's got a really good relationship with Pop. I've played there a couple of years, um, but DeRozan specifically, like with opponents, with his teammates, with opposing coaches, there's just there. There just seems to be this genuine respect everyone has for him in his game. Well, I mean, part of that is just because he's been so low drama, you know, throughout his entire career. And you talk to him about even now, like, you know, he's going to be unresearched a free agent or his contract. I sat down with him in Indianapolis earlier in the season, you know, and said it was when the hard thing it was had yet to be resolved. And I said, you know, the Bulls were scuffling. I was like, why don't you ever – why, why aren't you like one of those other guy, guys who says, you know, I need out. I mean, he's like, I, that's just not me. That's not who I am. And he's friends with all those guys. Like he's seen other guys, um, you know, stars around the league ask for a change of address. And he, he said, look, everybody's got to do what, what is makes them comfortable in this league and, and be true to themselves. But that's, I'm being true to myself by always being loyal to the team that I'm playing for. He never mixed his business with basketball. So beyond his on-the-court ability, just his professionalism on and off the court and the way he separates business and basketball, I think that's one reason why he's so respected throughout the league. I mean, he's just been a drama-free guy for 15 years in the league. And you couple that with the stats he's amassed. I mean, he's making a, a strong Hall of Fame case for himself. I mean, he's going to re retire top 30, 35 all-time in scoring, um, whenever that is. So um, I think that's part of it. Uh, for sure.
Yeah, I think if I recall, when you had that conversation with DeRozan, it was right in the midst of the Harden trade yes. going down. So yeah. at the forefront of everybody's mind at that time. Um, let's talk about Torrey Craig. You had a chance to talk to him yesterday. Uh, as we learned since the last time uh, we did the Bulls Talk podcast, he's going to be out a period of maybe six to eight weeks. Um, but you talked to Craig, and he's uh, thinks it might be shorter than that. What's he have to say about his injury or his rehab and getting back on the court? Yeah, that, that surprised me. That was his first answer. So it's actually uh, eight to ten weeks that the Bulls are estimating. And, you know, I'm not critical of the Bulls. Most teams now bake high-end estimates into their team official team releases. So, you know, they, they don't look bad if the player is out longer than what they estimate. So they said he's going to – the release said he's going to be mobilized for four weeks and then require an approximate four to six weeks more of rehabilitation. So that's uh, eight to ten weeks. And it still may be that, but Tory Craig wasn't buying that. That was his first answer when we when we talked to him before the game was, you know, I was a little surprised at that timeline. I'm a fast healer. I, I plan to beat that. And I said, what's your goal? And he said, two weeks. <laughs> and then he kind of backed off that a little bit. But you can just say, tell her that's his mindset. Like, he's like, no, fam, that's not that's not working. I'm coming back before uh, a lot, lot earlier than what they have said. So he is uh, – they did try a walking boot to mobilize it. Tory didn't like that. It wasn't working, he said. So they've got like some steel inserts in his right shoe um, to, to help him mobilize that. That's a really tricky injury. I've luckily never had it, even though I've been a runner most of my life. Um, it's uh, plantar fascia is that band that kind of runs the length of your foot, and uh, he sprained it. Um I know a lot of people, I mean, Joakim Noah battled that at times mm-hmm. throughout his Bulls career, Tony Kukoc. Um, it can be, it's like basically like, I've I never had it again, but I've talked to people who have had it. It basically is like, you feel like you're walking on a bed of nails. Like you put your foot down and it feels like you're just stepping on nail heads. So that doesn't sound too pleasant. Tori did say he didn't feel like he's had a lot of pain, which maybe that means that he is going to be okay. Um but uh, regardless, it's a big loss for the Bulls, and you're going to see a lot of Dale and Terry. He's on the Aaron Rodgers healing plan, which is uh, you know good for Craig. I mean, if he comes back uh, ahead of that eight weeks, and it's a lot less, uh, it's good good for the team. Um, yeah, you just segued right into my point about Terry getting extended minutes. Um, is he ready for this kind of minutes he's getting? Um. <laughs> Because, like, it just from what what I've seen, Terry brings a ton of energy to this team. I mean, he is he is like the if there was an award for best teammate on the bench around the league, he would get it. Like, he is invested in every single second of every single game. He's clearly well liked by his teammates. Um, he's just has a really fun personality, but at the same time, he's got a lot of things he needs to work on in his game and. Getting extended minutes like right now is not necessarily the same as Zach goes down and then Kobe and Io get extended minutes because of that, or P. Will and Kobe get more shots because of that. Uh, what what are the Bulls hoping to get from Terry's minutes in the rotation over this next two months? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you kind of took the first answer there because number one, I feel like I've been talking a lot. I appreciate you setting me up. And, and number two, <laughs> I ask I'm, a lot of questions, Casey. It's no, okay. no. But number two, I was kind of curious as to your take because I, I, I think I may come down on the side of being a little too critical on, on Dalen. And I mean, it is early, but look to, to answer your question, I, I think the big thing that the Bulls want is get get him experience. I mean, he's clearly a young and raw player, 
And this is a tough situation where you're down to two guys and Levine and Craig. And so here's your opportunity. I do think there's been stretches where he's done really good things. Um, you know, he's, he's clearly an energy guy. He's clearly, um, a connecting piece. He, he tried, he, he's very good at moving the ball. He had a play um, in the Lakers game where he had an elite defensive rebound and pushed the ball up court and it led to a good shot just with his pace. Um, he does play a little fast and a little reckless at times. That, that again comes with experience. The game will slow down for him. And I just keep coming back to the shot, man. The shot is just not an NBA level shot at this point. I, I always, you know, I'm not, judging him for his whole career. Um, but I would say overall, in the, that was the critical part. Here's the positive part. I, overall, the minutes that he's got since since Craig went down, I think there's been more good than bad. And that's all you can hope for is he gets that experience, starts kind of working through some of these mistakes. Um, my thing is always, and I know it's a position this league, but I see a guy and I'm like, what is he? You know, it's like, that's what I liked about the Julian Phillips minutes. And I, I'll finish this answer with this like I've been a little surprised because it was clear early about two weeks ago Billy started playing Julian ahead of Dalen in those little spot minutes Julian was getting that first crack in these quote-unquote young player experimental minutes and then it shifted to Dalen and um you know Dalen's clear to get him more of an opportunity now that Craig's gone I wonder if that will swing back because when Julian Phillips out there is out there again raw young Got to get a lot of experience, but I see a guy who's got a position, who um, has got a lot, ton of athleticism, obviously, and doesn't look really phased by the moment. He looks like he belongs out there. So um, we'll see where, how it plays out, but great opportunity for either one or both of them as the Bulls try to navigate this injury situation. Yeah, hopefully uh, Terry can, and I'm sure he has been working with Peter Patton as well, um, the, the Bulls. Um, de facto shooting coach on the team because certainly that that's the one aspect of his game that I've seen that just needs to improve significantly. But as we've talked about before, even in our conversations about Patrick Williams earlier in the year, you can impact a game without shooting. Yes. There are a lot of different ways that you can contribute minutes, especially when it's a off the bench, short spurt rotation minutes. There are a lot of things you can do to impact a game in a positive, very positive way that's not just shooting. Um, it, it becomes an issue the more minutes you get and the more times defenses start to plan around you and and when you're open, you need to be able to hit a, a open shot, open three, open mid-range, whatever it is. Uh, but there are a lot of different ways that you can impact the game uh, from a contribution standpoint that aren't just pure shooting, um, which is good to see. Um, last thing, let's just pour one out for the Detroit Pistons who are on the verge of the wrong end of history. They have lost their 25th straight game. They had a very winnable game against an undermanned Utah Jazz team um, on, on Thursday night, and they just could not pull. They played horrible down the stretch on the last few minutes of the fourth quarter. Um, they're in a bad, bad way right now, and they are playing, I think, two straight against Brooklyn next. The uh, – NBA record for most consecutive losses in a single season is 26. So they're on the verge of tying and breaking that. And then uh, 28 is the spanning multiple seasons NBA record. Um, they they just are in a – we talked about this the last podcast. They are desperate. They need change. Like they absolutely need to do something. Um, and it's ironic that their last win came against the Chicago Bulls in 
a long, long time ago. I mean, it's they a complete different team um, from where they are now. So uh, if you want to add anything there, Casey, feel free. But it's just they kind of like they are the story around the NBA right now. And it's, well, I'll just um, say, uh, I was going to say, like, when's their next matchup of the Bulls? Because they own the Bulls. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, no, the, the other thing is to say real quick is like, man, I mean, where do you go other than, like you said, maybe trying to make a desperate trade? Because that coach is not going anywhere with that contract. Can't. I mean, nope. that contract is the largest NBA coaching contract in history. And Wow. I mean, I don't I you never want to judge too much from afar because you're not in it. But I have to believe there's some level of panic within that organization. Like this is not supposed to be going like this because they tabbed Monty Williams as the coach with that big contract to kind of untap the potential of a young team and kind of be the steward to lead this young team. And yikes, man, that's just that's rough stuff. So we'll see how they how they come out of this. But this is this is pretty rough stuff. Yeah, I mean, from an outside perspective, it isn't necessarily a coaching issue. I know that a lot of the Pistons fans have issues with Monty's rotations and who's getting minutes, and that is completely valid. Uh, but their roster building lacks shooting. I mean, it, it's in a tough, tough way from a shooting perspective right now. So You're going to conclude this by getting Zach Levine on the Pistons. I know you are. <laughs> hey, hey, listen, if, if Zach – Ends up getting traded to the 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 uh, Pistons or the Warriors or even the Kings. I will take full credit for <laughs> for those three trades. Uh, but like, hey, I, I just look at like team need and what does Zach give you in the top one percent of the entire NBA shooting and scoring. So um, the the fact that that's exactly what the Pistons need and they obviously have the assets. They have the young assets. They've got a and which is I think probably even a huge part of how remarkable this losing streak has been is they have a lot of very good young players. This isn't a roster that has been hit with three and four injuries. They they haven't had, this isn't like, even like if you would have told me Memphis for some reason was going to lose 25 games in a row during that jaw suspension and Stephen Adams being hurt, I go, yeah, I and mean, they're dealing with a lot of injuries, but Memphis obviously has weathered that storm and uh, John, his first game is a complete other story. Uh, but like the Pistons roster, like has been relatively healthy. Bogdanovich obviously missed a huge uh, stretch to start the season, uh, but they've got a lot of really good young players that have significant talent and significant upside. So just to have to see this losing streak from afar is just it's it's just astounding to me. Like you would, I would never have picked that. If on opening night you would say there was going to be a team in this league that was going to lose 25 straight, I'd say, oh, that's unfortunate for the Wizards. You right. Know? But like you would, you would never would have thought that Detroit was going to be on the end of that. But um, hey, it's the NBA, and every single night, the weird things happening. They've obviously had uh, a lot of blowouts. They've had a couple of close games, and they just hadn't been able to pull it off. I mean, I, I think uh, Cade was uh, quoted after the game saying that they are a lot better than their record indicates. Um, which certainly when you only have two wins, you would hope that the team would be better, better than that. But like you even stretch back to last season, um, they're winning something like a pace of like five or six games during a two game stretch. Like their, their pace over the last like 50 games is, is just incredible. Um, so, Hey, if you're a Pistons fan watching this, we feel for you. We, we hope you guys can turn things around. Just not against the bulls. Um, 
yeah, it's just it's just remarkable to see. Um, getting back to the Bulls, you mentioned this home stretch, Casey. Um, we'll finish up with this. Um, their upcoming games: Cleveland, Atlanta, Indiana, Philly, all four at home, and then at Philly for that uh, next five stretch. Um, they can can continue this play right now. Like they're eight out of eleven. You know, certainly Cleveland's had some issues, but they're a very good team. Uh, Atlanta is just ahead of them in the East. Uh, very winnable. Uh, Indiana is fun to watch. The, the league pass, all league pass team of the year um, offense, but they are horrific defensively. Um, and they actually held the Pacers to one of their lowest point totals of the year with their win over Indiana. I think uh, they held them to 105, which I think is their second um, highest point total of the year being the Pacers offense. Um, so there are some very winnable games coming up. They just they continue this play. Yeah, I don't want to get to the point where you start looking at games on the schedule and nope. say that's a winnable game. I, this nope. team doesn't – they haven't convinced me that much yet. So that's what that's why that Lakers game stood out to me so much because it was just like, all right, this is a good opponent. We're at home. Let's go. And they just took care of business. So uh, a couple more games like that, maybe I'll start uh, feeling that way. But I, I need to see a little bit more proof. Uh, I'm still – a little scarred by that five and 14 start. So, hey, you know what? It's okay to temper the optimism there because you're right. The Bulls haven't earned that at no. all. Like, it's just, no. it's literally play the next game in front of them. Let's see yep. how they play in that game. And, it, but certainly when you talk of uh, this, this 11 game stretch that they've had being eight three in that stretch um, and clawing back up to a 13 and 17 record from where they were. Um, just in itself is a fantastic accomplishment. So we certainly sure. hope hope that that uh, continues, and we hope you guys uh, are with us the entire uh, stretch of the way during the rest of the season, uh, and hopefully they start inching towards that playoff contention, uh, which uh, which would be a shock to where we were three weeks ago um, with this team. Um, so for Casey Johnson, please check out his work on uh, Twitter slash X, KCJ Hoop. You certainly can see his daily story is on NBCSportsChicago.com and the NBC Sports Chicago app. A lot of really good stuff there, including his conversation with Tory Craig and Craig's optimism that he's going to return and be ahead of that initial timeline. Uh, I am Kevin Anderson. Thank you for watching and listening to the Bulls Talk podcast brought to you by, by Toyota. Uh, like and subscribe if you could. Leave us a comment. Uh, we are absolutely going to be doing a all-mailbag edition uh, coming up after the holiday. Bulls are not playing on Christmas, so certainly there's plenty of time to spend it with the family. Hope everybody enjoys their holiday. Uh, no matter what you celebrate, we have a great couple weeks uh, over this winter break stretch. The schools are out. All the kids are excited, which is great. All the parents are semi-excited, but it's a really good holiday if you've got kids as well. Uh, we hope you enjoy it, and uh, thanks for watching and, and, and listening. And have a great weekend. Go Bulls.